Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. My name is Eli Herskovich. You can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS. You can follow my co-host on Twitter at Monawara as it's spelled on the screen before we get started. Remember to give the video a thumbs up, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications whenever The Lines releases a new sports betting video on any market, including Major League Baseball. And with that in mind, we have... A special guest today on Beat the Closing Number. He is Jason Weingarten, and you can follow him on Twitter at Spreadopedia, a professional better, and he does so for a variety of networks, including VSIN. What's going on today, Jason? How are your baseball bets going? Pretty good. Uh, it's getaway day, so nice to have some uh, some day baseball going on. I'm got an eye on the Mets. I got an eye on the Cubs first inning. I got an eye on. Uh, end of the Giants game so a lot going on for middle of the day on a Wednesday it's kind of nice for someone like Mo and I want you guys to introduce yourselves to one another virtually obviously in a second but Mo actually was asking me before the podcast and Jason we've done some work together in the past met one another in person at Circa but for our listeners and viewers that have never heard you before talking Major League Baseball or any any sport? How did you get yourself not only into the sports media landscape, but as a pro sports better in general? I've been betting for a while now. Um, I was into football before baseball. Um, yeah, it's it's been such a long time. I mean, it's 2023, so we're going on 10 plus years of, of doing baseball betting now. Um, yeah, it just kind of happened. I was in college. You know, I didn't like going to class particularly much, and gambling <laughs> gave me an opportunity to make more money than I would doing most anything else with a lot more financial freedom and flexibility. And you know, I value my time a lot, so like, I don't really want to do things and waste time. And there's a lot of just just stuff out there that's just just absolute waste of time. And gambling will. You know, gambling seems like a waste of time to a lot of people, and it can be, but um, it's one of the few things that, that lets you be your own boss and gives you the flexibility to kind of live your life at, at your own pace. So fits me pretty well. And one of the baseball markets that you hone in on in particular is yes run first inning. And in the gambling Twitter space, maybe not to the – non-novice better, but for the betters that are just getting into baseball betting, you have a lot of Twitter accounts that pump out no-run first inning bets, otherwise known as nerfies. So for there literally to be no-run scored combined with both teams in the first inning, that's what that means and might be obvious, but just want to explain to the listener that doesn't know. So why is it disadvantageous for the better that doesn't know too much about that market? I know Mo wants to touch on how you come up with the most valuable bets for yourself, what goes into it for you numbers-wise. But just in general, what makes that market so appealing, the nerfy side of it, and why is it so, again, anti-value, anti-plus EV when betters are trying to get more skill at this kind of thing? Well, I mean, people are stupid, so... It's the same reason why the field bet on the craps table is a popular bet, even though you win 16 ways and you lose 20. People just want to bet. They want to, you know, that's why crack cocaine is so popular is, you know, people are impulsive and stupid. <laughs> um, you know, 
no runs in the first inning give you a great opportunity to be stupid and impulsive. And, you know, you can see from the way they're advertised and marketed by both sports books and, you know, the, the, the people who think they're, you know, no run first inning handicappers and stuff. It's, it's the blind leading the blind. It's some of the dumbest stuff I've ever seen at this point. Like I'm kind of over trying to convince anybody not to do it. Like, same way I'm not going to tell you not to go smoke crack. Like, hey, if you want to go and, and waste your life and do drugs, do it. Like, it's your life. If you want to bet no score first innings, do it. Like, you're providing me with the opportunity to get a better number on the other side. So, you know, I appreciate it. I I just don't, like, at this point, I, I don't, I just don't, don't have any incentive or interest in arguing with people over why they're wrong, you know. You, you can you can either in, in gambling and, and a lot of things in life, you can either listen to somebody who has more experience tell you that you're stupid and that you're wrong and, you know, be inquisitive and try to figure out why and, and, and take that as a, a cue to get better at, at what you're doing. Or you can double down and, you know, double down on your stupidity, which seems to be the the way people go with the no run first inning. So. I just kind of let it happen at this point. I'm more content to to bet my own stuff. That's exactly why that answer in particular is exactly why I wanted to have Jason on the podcast. Yeah. So when you're looking for these bets, um, <clears throat> I guess uh, somebody sent me a sheet years ago that's supposed to like derive the Nerfy and Yerfy prices uh, from the game total. Are you just using straight derivatives or are you diving like pretty deep into how the top of the lineups are going to match up against each pitcher? You know, I think one of the things with the nerfy people that, that, that kind of, I think is the funniest or tilts me the most. I don't, I don't exactly know how to put it in the right context, but um, one (laughs) of the things with the nerfy people is they love to, to write write ups and explanations and, you know, got to write a thousand words or 2000 words and handicap the top of the lineup and tell me the numbers. And, 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 and I'm already just like, I'm laughing. Cause you know, I, I almost can price these in my sleep. You know, I could do this on the toilet almost. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, derivative pricing in baseball is pretty straightforward. You know, I think a lot of people just get caught up in narratives and decide that, oh, well, you know, this pitcher is good. This pitcher is good. There's no way they're, you know, they'll, they'll give up a run before getting three outs. And like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm at the point where I'm not trying to correct people anymore. Like I, I have no interest. I have no incentive in explaining things to, to people in these markets. In fact, you know, if, if you think no, no score first inning is the way to go. And I'm not, I'm not saying you guys, but, but the viewers, like I encourage you to keep betting no scores, you know, do what, do what makes you happy. Um, but, but know that you're wrong. And the other side is the one that, that makes money long-term. How did you decide that this derivative market was for you, I guess, because obviously like most people are just going to start betting sides and totals and then even when they are going past sides and totals, I think most people are more interested in player props than stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, it was a ripe market 10 years ago for making money. Um, still is for, for that matter. But 10 years ago, you could make, you know, far more money hourly doing that than you could outside of, you know, most professions that you need graduate school or, 
you know, serious education for. So the money was good. Like I said, it still is, but it, but it used to be um, even better. But I got into it because I'd been doing a lot of football stuff before. And I'd, I'd been finding, you know, this was 10 years ago on Twitter, but people were copying me a lot. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but like there were some pretty prominent people who were making a lot more money, um, you know, who had bigger websites who were just straight up copying my tweets word for word. And it, like, I wasn't even noticing it was other people, you know, other people in the industry would point out, Hey, this guy is, you know, stealing your, your stuff again. Um, and I see how much money a lot of other people were making in, in sports and doing content. And I figured, you know, if I switch to this market and differentiate myself, I'll know when all these people are copying me. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And I've done that multiple times. I've switched, you know, to a specific market or start, start talking about something and, you know, like futures, for example, I'm not, not going to lay the claim that, that I, you know, was the first one to talk about futures, but you know, me and uh, me and Gil on on Gil's show, a numbers game, spend a lot of time breaking down futures, and all of a sudden, every other show is doing the same stuff we are. You know, so um, a lot of it is just to sort of differentiate yourself out there, um, see see who's copying you. It's pretty easy to you know start start talking about a new market and seeing um, who else starts talking about it. And you know, to this day, still there's still some some pretty big people out there who who think they can just kind of steal content and that it's not noticeable, but you know, it still happens. I just, uh, I don't really worry about it. I worry mostly about the betting. We got Jason on tilt today. I like it full fledged, but want to dive into the your fees a little bit more before we head over to futures. Like you mentioned, you do a great job of when you go on Gil show on VSIN among other sports betting live shows and podcasts that you do. But Looking at a game, I think you mentioned this, maybe it wasn't in reference to a year fee or yes, run first inning, but Cubs A's just wrapped up in the first inning. Was there anything in particular with that game that you were looking for? No run first inning or yes, run first inning that drove you one way or the other? Or is there a game just to give the listeners, our our audience, some context on how you would go about it for an individual game? It was a good price. I mean, obviously it always comes down to the price and in this case, it was an attractive price on the escort. And um, Mason Miller, he's a rookie. I just tend to think that more often than not, rookies have bad starts. Like it's, you can go look it up. It's, it's not like rocket science or anything. Um, but getting plus money with a rookie pitcher making his first career start, just you know, it's a good spot. Fortunately, it didn't work out. But I have some other bets on the game that I'm, you know, optimistic I'm gonna cash, so it won't be a total loss today. You mentioned the space itself, and there are a ton of different directions I can go with that. But spinning it more towards trying to give the novice better a better look, to use it in maybe lesser terms, of how to make money in this space and how not to go in the wrong direction, especially for a market that is so efficient when it comes to Major League Baseball. Obviously, when people discuss the likes of the NFL betting market, the NFL is super efficient as well. But baseball is maybe a lesser-known efficient market to bettors just because of how normalized NFL betting is these days. How does the novice better? And obviously, for people like yourself, for Mo and I that have been betting, and maybe more so for you, Jason, because you do this professionally, but 
How does the novice better not get caught up in an 162-game season where there are games literally every minute of the day, especially on a day like today on Wednesday when we're recording this, where there were a few afternoon games and a couple bets might not go your way. And for the average to below average better, that can put a better on tilt. So how do you advise betters from staying away from that side of betting and kind of staying on the correct path, especially for someone like you that's been doing this for a while? If you're not prepared to lose your money betting, then take your money and put it in something like Coca-Cola and you know, turn on the dividend reinvestment and let it let it just sit there for the next 20 years because you're going to be way better off in the long term doing something like that than, you know, wasting your time in betting markets where you don't have an edge and you're not willing to work to to gain an edge at, at anything. And while you are working at gaining an edge in something, there's a thousand other people, you know, all doing the same thing. So you really have to want to do it and, and you know, you have to be realistic with with the the m- amount of money you're going to make or you know what what you can potentially accomplish um you know that's why it's called recreational gambling though is that if you're on the recreational level you're you're not expecting this to to pay the bills or you know make money for me i i expect gambling to to you know fund my rather extravagant lifestyle so um you know this isn't fun for me i always think yeah, I always, I always like when people talk about gambling being fun, I'm like, gambling's not fun. Like this is work. I get up early and do this. This isn't, you know, it can be fun. I, I enjoy it. Like it's a lot of, you know, fun aspects of it, but like, you know, you're trying to sell, trying to sell gambling as fun as like trying to sell cigarettes like they did in the 1950s. Like the way they're marketing gambling right now is, is so, so wrong. And, and it'll, it'll come back to bite the industry in the ass seriously down the road. Do you still have a lot of fun watching sports, especially like talking about baseball, I guess, uh, specifically sports or baseball. baseball? Is it fun to sweat your, your fee bets? So I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I really like the pitch clock this year because in the past the game length was getting so out of hand that like by the time the game was getting into to, to the ninth inning or worse extra innings, I didn't even care about my bet anymore. There were times last year, Whereas already, you know, 1030 at night, a game's going into extra innings. I'm like, I don't care who wins. I'll, I'll check the score when I wake up. This is, this is stopped being fun to watch. It just drags on and on forever. Um, but the pitch clock, all these rules this year have sped up the game and actually brought some serious enjoyment back to baseball. I don't know what it's like for you guys, but like, yeah, you know, I, I mentioned this on a bunch of shows. I, I watch a lot of Marlins games just, just cause I, I prefer the, the Bally's app for, for watching baseball. Um, and with the combination of the bad pitching or sorry, the good pitching and the bad hitting, you can get in and out of a game in two hours and 15 minutes, which, which is much more tolerable. Um, you know, the way college basketball just kind of drags out at the end makes me kind of want to shoot myself, uh, golf. I love (laughs) golf. I watch a lot of golf. I find golf, um, relaxing and enjoy, you know, the presentation and everything, but yeah, you know, sports sports can be hit or miss. It's it you don't have to watch lots of sports to be successful at betting. Like I don't even have a TV in my office. I I have the games on usually on my TV in the living room, but um I don't I don't watch games while I'm working for the most part. I I do I do check the box scores. You know, I got I got box scores up to the left of me right now. 
yeah, I'm a big box score guy as well, but um, I think watching the games definitely does help me. I'm usually more of a sides guy, so need to have a good read on all the pitching. And I guess switching kind of gears into how this baseball season has been going, uh, we wanted to check in on how you were feeling about some of the teams a few weeks into the season. I know it's like maybe a little early to change your opinion on anything, but uh, Eli said you were a little bit high on the Astros, and I was like pretty anti-Astros coming into the season. I'm feeling pretty good so far. Uh, Their offense has been pretty bad. So I was wondering uh, if you are feeling um, still pretty optimistic about them, given how things have gone so far. Their record's basically the same 15, 20 games into the season as it was last year. So, um, no, I'm not worried about the Astros at all. There's nobody else in their division that's kind of seized the advantage. You know, the Mariners playing average. The, uh, the, the, the Rangers already have a bunch of injuries. So, you know, I still see the, the Astros far and away the, the class of the American League. Uh, maybe the Yankees are, are second. Maybe the Rays are second right now. But um, I, don't, I still don't see anybody remotely close to, to the Astros in terms of all-around talent. Now, it's just a question of Jordan Alvarez going to be healthy. Is Jose Abreu going to do anything? You know, there's a lot of, you know, things Things still have to happen, but but talent-wise, the, the, the gap between the Astros and the rest of the American League is significant, significant. You brought up Tampa Bay. The Rays have the best record in the American League, now the favorites, I believe, to win the AL East, which isn't surprising, at least in terms of the market, considering their hot start. I don't want to say it was unprecedented or unexpected. I mean, you've been a Wander Franco guy for a long time. I don't know if you bet his MVP futures this year, but I know you've been high on the Rays, especially Franco, for at least a couple of years. Is this start, even though the competition maybe has been subpar, if you look at who they played to begin the season, the Nats, the Tigers, then the Red Sox, I believe, fouled up or some combination. What do you make of Tampa Bay long-term this season? You know, starting starting off with twelve or thirteen wins is very helpful in in the hundred sixty two game season for making the playoffs and winning your division. And if you look at the you know make miss the playoff markets, you've seen they've they've adjusted pretty heavily towards Tampa making the playoff because you know, like I said, those twelve thirteen wins are going to be the cushion that that gets them there at the end of the season. It might actually you know could could win them could win them the division. Um, you know, just, just cause it's, it's a lot of wins, but the reality is, um, I always tell people keep this in mind with the start of baseball season is that like, you know, there's always win streaks. There's always losing streaks. You know, just, just, we, we tend to kind of focus more on stuff that happens at the beginning of the season. Cause it's the only thing that's happening. Um, you know, I, I really don't get concerned about performance and underperformance for about another month or, you know, probably even into June before I'll, I'll seriously start worrying about, you know, guys I, I projected to be better. Yeah. Tampa Bay right now has the fourth shortest odds or fifth shortest odds to win it all at a bunch of the major legal sports books. The Braves now the favorite at around plus 500 plus 600, depending on the book and the Astros with the second shortest odds are right there with the Dodgers. So you mentioned not overreacting and maybe more so underreacting. And we haven't seen, Many major market adjustments when it comes to futures, especially with team-by-team odds. Like I mentioned, the Astros still right around 
second shortest odds to win it all. But a team like the Padres or even the Cardinals who have underperformed to date, Mo and I have been talking about them, whether it's been on our podcast or off air, just long-term investment wise, maybe if it gets to June and they're still underperforming at this rate. Now the Cardinals are an interesting case study just because that rotation bullpen is good. The offense is elite. The rotation is terrible outside of Jordan Montgomery, and he's definitely not a one. I'm still shocked the Cardinals did upgrade their rotation. What do you make of the NL Central? The Cardinals, Padres overall in the NL West, long-term with these two teams, whatever direction you want to take it, Jason. I still like the Cardinals. Uh, Pirates have overperformed. I've done well. I bet the Pirates a lot this season. That's been a you know, profitable bet. I'm interested to see how they continue to play, if they can play 500 baseball for another month or two. Um, Milwaukee, I'm, I'm pretty down on, I know Corbin Burns looks like he's going to make his next start, but losing Brandon Woodruff puts more strain on the rotation. Um, you know, seven, seven and 11 record for, uh, St. Louis before the end of today. So they will be eight and 11 after this. It's not exactly like, you know, nothing to panic over being eight and 11 couple weeks into baseball season it's it's like it's still still mid-april stuff all the stuff we're talking about no one's gonna remember you know come october come august even so you know i I don't worry too much about being a couple games under 500 right now any other market you're honing in on whether it's an individual player market or team by team odds that betters novice or or pro should pay attention to right now i think the cy young markets are uh interesting this year in the NL, you know, Sandy Alcantara's not been so great outside of his complete game shutout, and he's going to need about a month of, of you know, shutout, you know, four or five starts, complete shutouts to get his ERA back to where it was last year. So um, some of the younger guys have kind of pushed ahead early in the, the National League, mainly uh, Julio Urias, who I've bet on a couple years in a row now. He looks like a serious contender. And then Spencer Strider, he's a guy that, like, I'm always betting against him, betting unders, betting overs, you know, totals when he pitches. And he just keeps striking guys out. Like, turns out he actually is Randy Johnson. Um, I made a joke on a different show that he's not Randy Johnson. And one of the other guys was like, well, he actually has a 40% strikeout rate. So he kind of is. And I'm like, you know, you're right. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm wrong on this one. I'm just, you know, I'm in, you know, get, get a guy wrong. So if Strider stays healthy, I think. He's going to be a serious contender this year because he's one of the few guys in that, uh, you know, in the NL who's who's going to get way over 200 strikeouts if they pitch him enough innings. Um, so I think there's still some good numbers on him, seven to one or so, eight, eight to one is is good enough to to really bet it. Um, and then the AL, you get uh, you know Otani versus uh, Garrett Cole at the top this year. It's a pretty competitive battle. Um, you know, if either one of them falters. Kind of like Pablo Lopez. He was a guy last year. I made I made the mistake early. I I, I decided you know I wanted to to add a, a Cy Young future, and it was between Sandy and Pablo Lopez. And I went with Pablo Lopez because his numbers were better at the time, and that was just a major major whiff. And they do this trade this off season, and you know here I am again back back on the same train, looking at Pablo Lopez, saying well he's got that pitch mix and. He throws from different arm slots, and he's he's pitching great in Minnesota. So there's a guy I might take a take a flyer on if his odds drift out more. But 
Um, top of the market is is heavy. It's it's a you know some years there's there's long shots and some years it's a, a top heavy market and the Cy Young markets look like got some some pretty reasonable favorites to jump in on here. Yeah, Cole's been off to a hell of a start. I don't think he has a Cy Young. No, he should have. He should have had one in Houston, and Verlander got it. But so he might have a chance this year. Right. I actually, you mentioned Lopez. I have a Joe Ryan long shot ticket. Now, Lopez's start doesn't help my bet too much, but Ryan's been very good, maybe besides the one pitch he made to Alvarez in that Astros game. But I actually want to throw it to Mo really quick because I know he has a take on Strider, a similar position to how you've gone about betting against Strider so far in his first season. Yeah, plus. I'm actually curious. When you said that, it really reminded me of something we talked about this morning uh, on our show because my numbers were always telling me, because I use a lot of projections, like publicly available projections from fan graphs and stuff, and they were always telling me to fade Strider last year. And I faded him like two or three times, I think, and then I just banned myself. And I just was like, I'm not going to fade Strider anymore because I think something is off with these numbers and they're just not capturing how good he is. So I guess I'm curious, like, how quickly do you make a decision like that? Or do you make decisions like that? Or are you kind of more of a go by the numbers uh, type of better? Or how do you balance that with your like qualitative opinions? I mean, with, with like Strider in particular, last year I was in the same boat that I kept thinking, well, he's going to have a bad start. He's going to have some regression. He's going to have some regression. And every week it was like 10 strikeouts, 10 strikeouts, shut out, you know, and crazy I, I i don't even know what to say honestly like it was it just you know some guys i think the thing i guess with pitching versus pitching prospects versus hitting prospects is you know hitting hitting player you know, offensive players can spend several years in the minors going through all the levels waiting for a job opening or an opportunity but with pitchers your arm is ready when your arm is ready because you get hurt and your career's you know derailed for a year or two years or you might never be good again. So when, when you're ready, you, you go out and, you know, they, they promote you. And so I'm, I'm fine with, with the more aggressive approach with, with the pitching guys, um, Strider, you know, in particular, and sometimes guys just make the jump, you know, he went from single a to major league rotation and 200 strikeouts. And it's, it's been known to happen. It's rare. Um, I probably still will continue to fade him. and the issue with him. And, and I've, I've mentioned, you know this before is that with 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 a guy like that you just like you can't you can't go up from 40 percent strikeout rate you know what i mean like like you've already you've already maxed out your projections basically so you have no margin margin of safety basically at this point like he's gonna regress it's just a question of if it's in two years or five years or two starts theme of this podcast don't do cocaine or do it if you want to, you know, go down the wrong path, just like the nerfy comparison that Jason made. He is Jason Weingarten on Twitter at Spreadopedia, professional batter and an analyst for a variety of networks, including VSIN. Again, follow him at Spreadopedia. Thanks so much for joining us on Beat the Closing Number, Jason. Really appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number, presented by. TheLines.com. Follow Mo on Twitter at Mo Noir. Follow The Lines on Twitter at The Lines US. Follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. 
We'll be back with another edition of Beat the Closing Number, breaking down the MLB card tomorrow. Thanks for watching and listening. So long, everybody.